read from this book. How many of you, how many of you did not receive one of these books? Raise your hand. You haven't received one? Keep your hand up. One, two. Raise them high. Yeah, maybe. High. Get them up there. So one, two, three. So three. All right, we're going to order some more. Um, just know that we'll have those back there. Probably takes about a week to get them in, and you can pick that up at the information center. We want everybody to have this. How many of you have read some of this already? Oops. I've had a lot of folks text me or message me like, man, this book is changing my life. It's an amazing book. And back here today, I want to read as we start from this point with everything I'm saying about spiritually mapping your life is that... Um, he says in this book, sometimes it seems safer to have just enough God to get to heaven. Sometimes it seems safer to have just enough God to get to heaven. But not so much that he radically alters our life. That's, to me, one of the best statements that he makes in that book. And having pastored for going on 20 years now. All I know is I've watched that in people's life when they, they feel stuck. Remember, we've talked about the doldrums. They feel stuck in their spiritual life. You've got to reflect on why are you stuck and what's going to get you out of there. And I will say this, that so often we put, I'll put a little more effort. I'll read my Bible more. I'll, so we get to the works mentality. We've got that. If I just do this and I just do this and I just do this. If your spiritual mapping does not reveal for you the need for the Holy Spirit to, to, to be engaged in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right? And, and when I say the Holy Spirit, you know, how many of you, when you first started hearing somebody talk about the Holy Spirit, or, or if you go back to some of our time, it's like, you need the Holy Ghost. Huh? I, I had folks say, you need the Holy Ghost. I'm like, man, I, you know, me and ghosts, we don't get along. You know, as a kid, scary movies, uh-uh. My, the rest of my family would throw those flicks in, I'm like, peace out. I'm going to go do something else because me and ghosts don't get along. <laughs> and so when people are talking Holy Ghost, I'm kind of like, okay, that's weird. G- give me an amen if you felt like, it's kind of weird when you first heard it. Most of us have that, that feeling when we encounter that. But you have to understand in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share two words with you. It's going to clarify for you that the word, you know, Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, um, really it's wind, breath of God. The Spirit is the breath it's, the, it's that life-giving breath of God. When he created Adam, the first week in this series, I said when he created him, he breathed the breath of life into him. And we need the breath of God in our life. So when we identify, here, here is where I'm at, God. I can see by reading your word, this is where I'm at in my walk with you. Uh, this might be the step I need to take. I don't know how to get there. I, don't, I need help. Remember me talking a couple weeks ago about uh, you know, the simple phrase, say these words with me, help me, Jesus, right, now, there, there's that, there's that uh, place where your kids do something stupid, and you're like, help me, Jesus, that's not the one I'm talking about, <laughs> right, somebody does something dumb, and you're like, oh, help me, Jesus, not that one, it's when you're in a place that you recognize that, you know what, I don't have as much control of my life as I'd like to have, I would really like some of these things to change, and, and I really don't know how to change them. I'd like some of my behaviors to change. I'd like some of my situations to change. 
you know? I would like some of my relationships to change. As in that, that I'm in a relationship and I want it to be life-giving where it's toxic. Come on now. And the Spirit of God can breathe life into those situations and transform those into, you know, kingdom realities, or I I would say supernatural realities, things you couldn't see that God is capable of doing when you simply know how to say, help me, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. What's the Bible say? Jesus came to speak of the Father. The Spirit came to speak of the Son. When you start calling upon Jesus, he's going to send you the one that knows how to talk about him. Say that with me. Jesus will send me the one who knows how to talk about him. When you get that kind of relationship and engagement going on, where you're not just reading the word, but you're calling on God to speak his life-giving word into you, that rhema word, right? Alive. It's not just print on paper it is living, right? Sharper than any two edges or more powerful, dividing asunder. It, it separates joints from marrow. When it speaks to you, when you feel like, here's what it is. It's like an out-of-body experience when you're reading the word. You're reading it, and all of a sudden, it's like, it's like, am I saying something to myself right now, or is somebody else saying something to me? You start to look at yourself, not with condemnation, but with conviction. This needs to change. And you sense a power coming in you to make the change. Anybody ever made a change like that in your life? If you gave your life to Christ, if you accepted that his sacrifice paid the price for your sin, let me just go ahead and say that you had one of those experiences. You had an experience of God's wind blowing into your life and taking you in a direction that you weren't going before. Come on, somebody. Blowing wind in your sails and carrying you out of the doldrums. Look, the greatest doldrum that any human being is in on this earth is one that is without a relationship with Christ. One that has not experienced salvation through Jesus Christ to inherit eternal life. They are stuck for all eternity if they don't catch the wind of salvation blown by the Spirit of God. Come on now. And we need that on a consistent basis in our life. Now, we... uh, touched on a lot in the series. Uh, It's really kind of been a cliff notes of the book, if you will. So read the book. And I want to give you the, so when we, when we closed each message, we had a, what we called the fresh air principle. Uh, Fresh air principle number one was fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. The second one was choose a Christ-like attitude. Choose it. You know, anybody ever struggle with being negative? I mean, join me, because I, I struggle sometimes with being negative. Oh, this is going to happen, or that's going to happen. Why did they do that, and why did they do this? Nobody? Man, you guys are great. You're just saints, man. Huh? It's a struggle. Every day, it's a struggle. It's a struggle in every relationship we have to, to have a positive attitude. It's a struggle in your work to have a positive attitude about situations. Here's, here's one of the, the things that we try and strive to do here with our staff, and it doesn't always work that way. But I'm kind of like, if, if you see a problem, right, think of a solution. If you don't know how to think of a solution, ask God to give you one. Did you know the Bible said that he gives us witty ideas? Witty as in wise and, you know, sharp, right? Say sharp. Now, he makes you sharp. God will give you witty ideas. He'll speak things to your spirit that you're able to bring wherever you are, family, career, church, wherever that is, 
uh, you're meant to bring life. Uh, so choose, uh, choose that Christ-like attitude. And um, the, the third one was rest or, you know, um, you know don't, don't do so much. Don't overload yourself. You need to know how to rest. Um, our theme scripture for this has been Deuteronomy 30 and 19. And it says, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now, choose life. Now, choose life. That, that when God says that, it's basically, uh, it's your choice. And the fact that you have the choice means that you're a free will agent. Therefore, when I say you're created in my image, God says you're created in his image. And if you're created in his image, you can choose what you want to do. But God's saying, go this way and it leads to death. Go this way and it leads to life. So I got to do all these things. Now, what I need is I need the breath of God. I need the spirit of God to help carry and guide me in the direction of God. Amen? So you can stay in the doldrums or catch a breath of fresh air, right? You can stay stuck in certain areas of your life or you can call upon Jesus. You can say, help me, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and breathe a breath of fresh air. Breathe, breathe life into that situation so that I can move from this place of being stuck. And the source of fresh air, as I've been pointing out, is the, God, uh, is the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Godhead. <clears throat> as I said, the Holy Ghost. We're in the original language, and here we go. And I've titled my first point, As the Wind Blows. As the Spirit of God, as He moves, as the wind blows in your life, here, here's what the, the original language says that, that that means. So when we hear Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, here's what the original language says. Ruach. Say that with me. Ruach. You kind of got to act like you got something stuck in the back of your throat. Ruach. Not bad. Some of you, y'all got that country. To, Ruach. Yeah. Got that drawl. Ruach. A wind, breath, a violent exhalation, blast or breath. Genesis 1 and 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You know, the wind of God, right? Anybody that's ever experienced, matter of fact, this morning we're in here and, and, and praying for the uh, the service and praying over the team and the children's ministry and those things. And as, as we're praying, you know, the, the presence of God just came and and. And it, it, I go back to sound booth. Joe's like, man, I'm back here like the hair standing up on my arms. And I, it's like waves, you know, just, just feeling that kind of, it, it, kind of like electricity. It's hard to explain, right? There's a mystery to it. And that's part of what makes people think, like, that's strange. I don't know if I want anything to do with that. Man, all I know is I would want the Spirit of God more than anything else in my life. If I've got the Spirit of God blowing into my life, it's okay. They probably have an appointment. <laughs> God bless you all. That when the wind of God is blowing in us, right, into our life, it carries us along much better than we're ever going to be able to make an effort on our own. So ruach. The, the other one is pneuma. Pneuma. A current of air, blast of breath, a strong breeze. Not much different, is it? John 6, 63 says this, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words 
that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Can you explain the wind? I certainly can't explain the wind. I know that when, when I go out, and, and matter of fact, this year, we, you know, this past winter, we had those uh, what was 97 mile an hour winds, right? And some people were out driving in that. I think Duke got stuck in that and had to go to a hotel. It was quite the experience, right? You get in those kind of winds, man. I mean, and the thing is, is you're going along, and next thing you know, they're on you. And you're going, man, where did all that come from? It's kind of like the spirit. That when you're calling on the spirit to come into your life, and you keep asking. Sometimes people are like, well, I've asked, and I've never experienced anything. Keep asking. Keep knocking, right? What's the Bible say? You keep asking, you keep knocking, and you're going to find. It's going to come. Sometimes there's that, that, um, that change and development that God's doing in you in creating a hunger to actually pursue him and desire it. Amen? And so let, the, let, let that work be done in you as you pursue God. Trust me, the Holy Spirit will come as long as you continue to ask him. Here's the thing about, when, when you think about the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, that ruach or the pneuma, is, it is like the wind. And wind is unseen. The wind is unseen. You don't necessarily see the, the Holy Spirit, but you know when you experience it. John 20 and 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, here's the thing, is that we see the testimony of Jesus Christ, right? As a matter of fact, uh, in Revelation, it says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Remember, I told you prophecy is not weird, right? A lot of times people get that Nostradamus or just predicting the future and, and calamity and, 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 you know, destruction and all those kind of things. But the spirit of prophecy, when you think about the fact that Revelation says it's the testimony of Jesus Christ and, and that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's there to, to encourage us to pursue God that when the Spirit moves through the gift of prophecy, uh, what is that? Words that are being spoken, inspired by the Holy Spirit is the breath of God coming through another human being, right? Inspired by the Holy Spirit to move you, to, to take you from where you're stuck, to encourage you out of, if you're discouraged, it'll move you out of discouragement into a, a very encouraged state. You know, if, if you're going the wrong way and you get that ex exhortation, the gentle warning, it's like, hey, this is just not a healthy thing for you, not a good decision. You know, somebody that loves you speaks something like that into your life and the next thing you know, you're like, yeah, you know, you get two or three people actually saying that and you're kind of like, this is probably not something I want to do. And you change direction. That's, that's part of the, that wind I'm talking about. It's not just, you know, when I, when I say it's unseen, that you know the difference of when you, you hear words or you hear something that, 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 that like, well, I'll think about that. And the ones that resonate in you is what I'm saying. It's like something impacts you far greater with, with words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's that wind of God that I'm talking about, that life-giving spirit that's speaking in us. So while it is unseen, um, there's another characteristic. It's, uh, it's also unpredictable. It's unpredictable. Um, you don't necessarily know when it's going to come. Jesus kind of said it um, this way. Jesus answered, the wind, pneuma, that, that's the word there. The wind, pneuma, blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sounds, 
but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I did not see my salvation coming. Do you get what I'm saying there? I didn't see it. You know, I went to church as a kid. You know, I grow up. I kind of go do my thing. I'm in the military station at Fort Carson. I meet Angie, right? Most of you know, and when I say the word hip-hop club, all the millennials laugh at me because it's like, dude, that's crazy. We don't call it that anymore. That's fine, but that's what we, we were dancing, you know. We're living a life of sin. When we met, we were living a life of sin. Agreed? Now, I didn't, I didn't know the wind of God was going to come along and blow on my life. Her mom is praying a prayer that God will thrust. Listen, it's interesting, too, the prayer. That God will thrust her mate into her arms and that he'd be a God-loving and fearing man. Thrust. You know, so, so uh, it, one of the words there was a violent wind that just blows, right? And, and so here I am in my doldrums of living a life of sin, and Angie and I meet, and it's, uh, we say two weeks, we're dating, and we're engaged. Somebody say, that's a serious wind. <laughs> I didn't, I'm 19. Uh, again, I'm, my first year in the military, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saved. I'm not living for God. He's not even really, we never had conversations about God. We had conversations about us, maybe kids one day. I mean, in that first two weeks, my line to get her to dance with me. Here you go. Here's how you know God had his hand in this because it's like, how the world did that even work? I walked up to her in the club and I said this to her. I said, I'm not looking to get married, but would you like to dance? (laughs) And what every young woman wants to hear, right? That's okay. You can laugh. It is pretty funny. It's sad. Matter of fact, I'm facing her when I said, I'm not looking to get married, but would you like to dance? I look away like, what did I just say? How did that even come out of my mouth? And then two weeks later, we're engaged. And I remember, I remember going upstairs and sitting on the bed after I met her mom and dad. Some of you have heard this story, but I meet her mom and dad. Her mom's praying that prayer that God will thrust a God-loving, fearing man into her arms. All that's going on, and, 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 and so they want to get pictures taken. This is two weeks in, and I'm at this place where, hey, you, I want you to meet my mom and dad. Okay, well, you know, we go and do that. And then they're getting pictures taken, and the, the, the photographer, hey, does the husband want to get in a picture? I'm like, we're not married. Here's the, what I'm saying is, is that when God is doing something, <laughs> it might come from people you would never expect. That photographer says something about us that wasn't even the case. How did she know that, what, less than two weeks later, we would be engaged? Matter of fact, that day that we'd be engaged. I go in there, not her husband and not planning on being her husband. I like her, and I like hanging with her. But marriage was nowhere on the radar. Would you agree with that, dear? Nowhere. I was seeing four other girls at the same time I was seeing, I was a womanizer. I'm not, I'm not glorying in that. You need to understand that. That was horrible. And that would have been the case for my life had God not blown that wind into my life. Because of the stuff I came out of and the abuse, I didn't trust anybody. And basically, I had been mistreated and used and abused. And you know what? I'm going to be about me. That was my attitude. I'm going to be about me. And I meet Angie, and I drop that line, and I start talk, we start talking kids and all this stuff. And I remember I would go away from some of those conversations. We talked to wee hours of the morning. I remember I'd go away from some of those conversations going, 
what in the world is going on? Why am I talking about that stuff? And that day happened, and that photographer says that. Her mom elbows me. You know you can keep her here. And I'm like, okay, we're driving away. I'm like, your mom said something about I can keep you here? She goes, I'm moving back to Florida. I'm like, oh. And that was the moment that I'm like, well, what would it take to keep you here? Commitment. You know. I'm just telling you that God was blowing a wind in my life. There's been others. I'm giving you that first time that, that my life was stuck in the doldrums of this is what I grew up through and all the mess and I don't trust people and, and, and this is what I'm going to do. God had other plans and they were better plans than the ones that I had, right? And he begins to blow that wind and the next thing you know, uh, that night I would go upstairs and I'm like, sit on the bed and I'm like, okay, God, what do I do? And I knew I had to marry her. My, my proposal was just as bad as my first pickup line. I ain't joking. I walked downstairs. I'm like, well, I guess we'll get married. We'll look for an engagement ring tomorrow. Right? Standing across the room. I guess we'll get married. We'll go look for an engagement ring tomorrow. She's sitting on the couch across the room. And she went, okay. <laughs> now, ladies, come on. You're thinking right now. What the world was the matter with her? Why would she ever, right? God's wind was blowing in our life. I got to move along, but I know you're thinking, well, what happened? Short, short version, we get the engagement ring. We, you know, plan the wedding. I go to NTC, Death Valley, California, and she's back here planning the wedding. I'm coming down on orders to go to Germany, and so we had to get married quick or she wouldn't be on my orders and I'd spend two years away from her. And so what we did is called a preacher up and like, hey, will you come to the house and marry us? And then we did the wedding a month later, right at a month later. And I'm in NTC and while I'm in NTC, some of you have heard me say the prayer of a nine-year-old that was being abused and mistreated and I prayed a prayer to God that when I get older, God, if you give me a woman who will love me and never leave me through anything, I'll give you my life. And a prayer of a mom praying that that God would thrust her mate and he would be a God-loving, fearing man and the prayer of a nine-year-old that is in misery and just doesn't want that kind of life once he's an adult and wants to have a family and children and so on. Um, all of that intersects. God knows exactly what he's doing because in NTC, Death Valley, California, uh, the wind of God, because think about it, when God speaks something into your life, you got to understand when I'm speaking something, you understand my lungs are pushing the words my diaphragm's engaged and there's breath coming out of me. And when I speak those words, well, when God speaks a word to you, you know, by, through his word as you're reading it, or that he by the spirit quickens something to you. And what he did that day was called my name, sitting in a Humvee. And what happens is he calls my name, I'm, I'm like, what the world was that? Flesh, I don't know the voice of God. Never really developed an ear to hear the voice of God. Next response is, I'm losing my mind. And then the third time I heard him, it was, I'm like, the only thing I knew to do was say, God, anybody ever been there? And when I said, God, when you were nine, you promised, it reminded me of that. It wasn't anywhere in my thoughts. When you were nine, you, you promised me your life if I would give you a woman who would love you and never leave you through anything. I've given you that woman. It's time for you to give me your life. And I'm telling you, right in that Humvee, I broke down and wept. 
I committed my life. I didn't even know what I was doing. You get what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't even know how to do this. And then I go to church and, and all those things happen. And I want to live for God. And I find that I'm struggling to, to do what the Bible says. And, and they're like, you just need the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, didn't I get the Spirit when I got saved? Because they're like, yeah, but, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual thing. Do that. And, and so they read scripture to me. And, and most of you have heard this, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It transformed my life. I read the Bible in six months. Started leading people to Christ. Not because of me, but because of the Spirit of God moving through me. I want you to know that God wants to do that through every person in this room. You can't do it of your own strength. But the Spirit of God in you, quickening the Word in the right moments. And quickening, you know, breathing the right Word in the right moment for your own life and for the people that are around you and the people you love. That is as good as it gets. Let me roll through this really quick so I can get this to you. Did anybody hang in with that? No? Good. We got a cruise. Wind is unpredictable. You make a plan, but God directs your steps. The Bible says that. Wind is powerful. It can create and it can destroy. Come on. We've seen it do both, right? It can create and it can destroy. Make, make no mistake about it that God has, has spoken life for mankind. That It's the spirit of God. Think about it when Jesus is dying on the cross. When he's dying on the cross, what does it say? He's hanging there. And it says, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me, right? And then he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the Bible says, and he breathed his last breath. Breathed. Spirit left him. You get that? And so we have to understand that there's the power to create or the power to destroy. When Jesus spoke those words, he had taken all sin upon him. But salvation comes when you believe in your heart and you do what? Confess with your mouth. Let me say this that he breathed his last breath, taking sin upon himself. And we breathe our first new breath of life when we speak out, right? Lord, I believe that you have come. You died on that cross for my sins. When we speak that out, when we breathe that out, what happens is, is the breath of God's spirit. We're born again of spirit, as the Bible says right here in this scripture I just read. Charles Finney, how many of you ever heard of Charles Finney? He led over a half a million people to Christ. One of the most amazing preachers, leaders in, in, in the church. He was a lawyer. He was a very logical person and kind of really struggled with, you know, it, it, it wasn't the logical stuff. It was, he, he got that and he understood what the word meant and so on. But when he got to these places of the spirit of God and the breath of God, the wind of God and so on, I'm going to read just a, a quick excerpt from, from something he said um, where it came to his own experience. Again, understand he was very logical, so it wasn't like, you know, that experience with the Holy Spirit. He would have been the one going, ah, that's a little odd. So, yeah, God, keep that one, and I'll just stay focused on learning the word and knowing how to break that down. But this is what he said when he had an experience with the Holy Spirit. But as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any expectation of it. It's unpredictable without ever having thought it in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without my recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by a person in the world. 
the Holy Ghost descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can uh, uh, recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. And I've had those experiences where you just feel the waves of God's Spirit coming over you. And I want you to know that it's not, again, it's not weird and it's, it's supernatural. And sometimes we can say, yeah, you know, I don't get that or it, it, since it's not something that I naturally understand, no thank you. But I want you to know that's the greatest, that is the greatest gift that God has given any of us. That, that the Spirit of God comes and that His breath, His life is blowing into our sails, if you will. And that where we're stuck and where we feel like we get stuck, we can always call upon him and he can blow that breath of fresh air to move us where he's called us to be. Where he's called us to be is where there's going to be life. If we're outside the will of God, there's nothing but death. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Acts 1, 5 through 8 says this, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So Jesus just says, now this is the way we are. Well, when's Jesus coming back? I want to know everything that's going on. God, I want to know how you're going to do this. And God, I want to know how you're going to do that. That we get this mind of wanting to know all those things. This is what his disciples did. Are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel now? He's like, I just told you, that you're going to receive power. You're going to receive, the, the, you're going to receive the breath of God, the power of God working in your life. And you're like, uh, what's the times and dates, Lord? We'd like to know how all this is going to work. And this is, well, look at what it goes on to do here. Jesus goes on and he goes, um, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let's get back to what I was talking to you about rather than the subject you wouldn't run off to. Now you think about Jesus starts the church off by telling these disciples, these apostles that he's walked with for over three years. And what does he do? The most important thing that you can have going on in your life is the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's the one that's going to lead and guide you where you need to be when you need to be there. So you don't need to be concerned with the dates and times. Because you'll be exactly where you need to be doing what you need to be doing or, you know, or what, what uh, God has intended your destiny to be full of life rather than you know, in and off somewhere where you're not supposed to be because you're focused on the wrong thing. Amen? All right, wrapping up here. So the breath of heaven, Romans 8 and 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That same breath of life is dwelling on the inside of you. So here's what we need to do then. We need to let go of fears and misperceptions. Psalms 34 and 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Can you get over here? And then number two, we need to go all in. It's not half-hearted, but whole-hearted. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So often people, well, I'm just going to hold back a little. God's an all-in kind of God. 
You know, I, I know in my marriage, I want to know that my wife's all in. She wants to know that I'm all in. Can I get an amen? You know, so we got to be all in. God's not a halfway kind of God. He, he, he wants to know that you're all in with him. And number three, develop an intimate friendship with him. 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. The amazing grace of the master. Here's all three. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Be with all of you. Be with all of you. How many of you have Siri programmed? How many, how many of you gave yourself a name with Siri? Nobody? It's like, you, you know, you can program a name. And you're like, when I, when I ask Siri, hey, Siri, I want to know something. She goes, yes, master, would you like to know? You know? Siri, do you love me? Master, I'm, I'm an inanimate object. Right? Siri, I love you. You get what I'm saying? You, you ask these questions, she'll come back with, but every time she'll say, uh, master, the answer to that is blah, blah, blah. Now think about, and the reason I say that, and maybe you don't do that, but how many of you go and you'll type in a search on the internet to find out something? How many of you found yourself, like, look, this is right in our hand. We've got tons of information. We can find out, where's that restaurant at? Oh, here, plug it in. Yes, I want directions. Boom, and take, okay, now, boom, I go where I'm supposed to go. Isn't that right? Can you imagine having a relationship with the Holy Spirit that, that, was more important. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, this thing sleeps. It lays by my bed. You know, it's, it's with me wherever I go. Anybody else with me on that one? Well, this is what I'd like to say. Is that I, I always want to know that the Holy Spirit, my spiritual walk, that that's on the same or even more so in my life. That Holy Spirit, what should I do about that? Holy Spirit, how should I approach that? Holy Spirit, uh, what would God want? You get what I'm saying? And lead me and guide me into the truth of, of your word. Isaiah, Isaiah 30 and 21 says it this way. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will, he will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. There's nothing quite like you're going a certain way. For instance, your husband ticks you off or your wife ticks you off. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And you, you're thinking it and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, that's not a good idea. And, you know, you ever do it anyway? And then after you did it, you went, I wish I had to listen to the Holy Spirit on that one. You get what I'm saying? So he'll, he'll give us those promptings of when we should do and what we should do. And, and it's good to listen to him. You'll hear that voice behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Don't go the way you want to go. And then fresh air principle number four as we wrap up. Ephesians 4.30 in the Message Bible says, Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take the Holy Spirit for granted. And here's the principle. Get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and as we wrap up today, I want to I pray that for you. Our children are going to come and they're going to receive the the offering of you brought your change for them they're raising money we're going to uh working on uh digging a well in africa just so you know they raised a little over 500 dollars last time uh so god bless you all for uh letting them lead us in in raising funds to do this and uh it's fun for them it is a joy for them <laughs> hey man you already got an offering in there 
So you got what, five, let's see, six pennies in there? You got six pennies in there? All right, let's see if we can uh, times what? Somebody give me a number. Somebody shout out a number. How much? 55. 55 what? Dollars? Okay. All right. So it's interesting you said 55 because it's $5,500 to dig a well. And I would say, we're, so we're a little over 500. And we're going to do this until uh, together as a congregation and with our children, we, we dig a well. And what they do at the, when they dig the well is that's where the community comes to. And we end up building the church by the well. And so it's the natural water, which people need to live, but they receive the living water along with that. So, so what we're going to do this morning, uh, we didn't take up tithes and offerings earlier because we want to just do one offering at the end and let you do that. Um, so if you're going to give and you've got that, there's text to give or you can go to our website or you can just drop your offering in there and if it's designated on a check or however. Um, but your change, um, matter of fact, last, last time I said, uh, if you want to throw a $100 bill on, somebody did that. I want you to know that, that there's never a pressure to do any of that. This is something that you give willingly and cheerfully from your heart. And uh, by doing that, when we celebrate this, this well being dug, you understand they make a mark in history somewhere around the world where the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, is being shared and lives, souls are being saved. And our kids are leading the way to that. If, if we teach them to lead us now in that, we're leading them, I, I get that, but we're letting them lead us. We're training them up to be leaders for their generation, for the Great Commission. And so I, I appreciate all of you in helping them uh, to do this. And uh, so we're gonna, as we sing this chorus, you can come and put your offering in the buckets and then, uh, and then Jay will dismiss us. God bless you.